Well, welcome. Welcome once again to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Happy day after Christmas. If you're just tuning in, uh, it's Boxing Day. And, of course, the history of Boxing Day isn't always that great. Um, <laughs> when you think about it, it's, it, you know, I realize they celebrate it in Canada. Uh, some, we have some international listeners who like to listen. Of course, it's a big holiday in England. Today may be the holiday day for you if your uh, place of employment gives Christmas Day off as a holiday um, because Christmas, of course, was on a Sunday. And hope you had a wonderful Christmas celebration. I would love to take an informal poll, and we don't have to call in on this. But uh, just drop me a line at thebottomlineshow.com or go to rogermarsh.com. Send me an email there. I'd love to know how your church handled Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. I uh, was watching a couple of services a couple of weeks ago, and um, just kind of, Lisa and I, since the pandemic, have had the opportunity to do a lot of church shopping online, in addition to since we've transitioned churches, and uh, we, we still don't have a church home yet. But um, it's interesting to see just across the country how people are handling the pandemic, or excuse me, the, uh, uh, the Christmas being on Sunday thing, because there's the cultural reality, and then there's the biblical reality. The biblical reality is, is that in the evangelical church, we celebrate Sunday as the day to celebrate the Lord's Day. It's the first day of the week. We believe in giving him the first fruits of our ourselves, our time. That's when we give him our corporate worship. But also it's a reference to the fact that where when God did create the heavens and the earth, he created the Sabbath and said, keep it holy. So the Sabbath was technically sundown Friday night through sundown Saturday night. But with the New Testament church, uh, the idea was, yeah, but Jesus rose from the grave on the third day, which was a Sunday, and so therefore, you know, this is where we are. And scholars can have been debating this for a while. You know, did did Jesus do the uh, the, the last supper, the uh, final Passover, and the uh, in introduction of the uh, the new covenant on was it Thursday night into Friday? Was it technically Friday? Was it technically Thursday? Was it Wednesday? You know, the the, the whole idea. You know, we do know in Scripture, Jesus said, "I do." His, disciples. Uh, Luke 22, I've eagerly desired to have this Passover with you. But, you know, wh where exactly do, you know, we come up with this Sunday is the worship day. And the reason I bring this up is I think it's it's a fair conversation to have because I saw some rather relatively small churches over the weekend who online were saying, hey, guess what? We're going to do one service instead of two or one service instead of three or in some cases, one service instead of four. You had a Saturday night service, and then Sunday morning was your Sunday morning worship, well, chances are you did three or four, or maybe five or six <laughs> services on Saturday night because of Christmas Eve. And what about Christmas Day? But even one large church, a mega church in uh, Texas, I won't mention them by name because I, I wouldn't want to uh, uh, sound disparaging to them, but basically they pre-recorded their Christmas Day service, announced to the congregation that the idea would be you watch this online and encourage your friends to watch it as well. And then that way, no one's going to be here. You know, we'll do a big deal on Christmas Eve, but we're not doing anything on Christmas Day. And I thought it was kind of interesting because, again, I mean, if two or more believers get together and have a time of worship, it doesn't have to be a formalized worship on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. It could be on Tuesday afternoon. It could be on Thursday night. It could be, you know, a lot of midweek services have become more common. But I'm just curious, so that's why I'd encourage you to drop us a line at thebottomlineshow.com or go to our Getter page or whatever and just... See what I, I'm curious to see how your congregation handled the issue of worship. Because from large to small, it seems to me the consensus was we want to have some kind of presence on Sunday morning, but because we're doing such a big deal on Saturday night, uh, because of Easter, 
uh, excuse me, because of Christmas Eve, rather, not Easter, uh, because of Christmas Eve. And, uh, and some congregations start their Christmas Eve services on the 22nd, 23rd, you know, which I understand, you know, for proximity. Uh, my church that I was part of for 30 years, uh, a couple of years ago, our uh, satellite campus went to the 23rd and 24th for Christmas Eve service, and we had more people there on the 23rd than the 24th. You know, it, you find out that there are a lot of people who want to worship on Christmas Eve and or Christmas Day, and they do so if it works for their schedule. That's kind of where people are. So it's not that the church is being dictated by the culture, but rather it's a question of, you know, well, what is the church committed to doing? Um, if you're part of a tradition that has a Christmas Day service, like I've been part of a Lutheran church for 30 years, and uh, Christmas Day was the big, I mean, it was, it was a big worship service. I mean, I remember the first time preaching at Christmas Day worship, and I mean, there the congregation typically had on their biggest service, there might have been anywhere from 100 to 200 people worshiping, and Christmas morning, we had 140 people there for communion. So it was that was in 2010. By the time Christmas Day rolled around, say, 2017-ish or something like that, um, it, 75, you know, if you if you were lucky. And sometimes that 75 included a couple of families where it was grandma and grandpa were there, all of their kids and all of their kids came. And that might be half the church right there. So I, I'm just, I, I'm curious as to why. And, and the reason I bring this up, I mean, obviously there's a method to the madness. But when I look at the way we worship the the lord here in the united states i've become from sitting in this position for the past 12 years here on the bottom line show i i pay a lot closer attention than i used to to global international mission and to see how people respond to the obstacles that they have to worship um a new article in the christian post said that uh, a, a, an organization called the church in need aid to the church in need which is a catholic organization has done an analysis of Christians who have been oppressed for their faith, and they looked at the number of nations where you've seen more and more people who have been persecuted for their faith. And in their report, they say that uh, Christian persecution is escalating now in at least 18 different countries. And it's interesting to see the number of people who are paying closer attention to this here in the U.S., um, especially when you consider that if we were looking to the United States government and the United States uh, uh, Council on International Religious uh, Freedom, uh, the, the one that was uh, made a permanent uh, position by President Trump and the current president of that uh, organization is Gail Manchin, who is the wife of West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, who's the lone liberal Democrat. All the other Democrats have gone progressive or they've gotten out of the party. Uh, Joe Manchin seems to be the only one who would say is kind of a moderate Democrat who votes more pro-life and pro-business than not. Uh, Kristen Sinema out of Arizona announcing a week or so ago that she was actually leaving the Democrat Party and going to become independent. And what's interesting about that is she now joins, uh, was it named Angus King uh, from a New England state and, um, and also Bernie Sanders who are, I mean, these guys are flaming progressives, but they call themselves independent, but they always vote with the Democrats. So, I mean, I don't know why they call themselves independent. When we talk about the 51 to 49 margin of advantage for the Democrat Party in the U.S. Senate, that now includes three Democrats or three independents who are voting Democrat all the time. But the uh, Gail Manchin, uh, when she was first lady of Virginia, uh, West Virginia, uh, Joe Manchin was the governor of West Virginia. Uh, they've, they're very strong about religious liberty, strong, very strong about the, the Christian faith, as I understand that they have. 
And so in her position as the president of the U.S. Council on uh, International uh, Religious Freedom, uh, she has been very vocal in support for standing up for the persecuted peoples, and even more so than the U.S. government that refuses to name certain countries on their terror list. But uh, this new publication, uh, it was new to me anyway, Aid for the Church in Need, uh, did an analysis of uh, persecution of Christians from 2020 to 2022. And they basically, uh, the, the summary of the, uh, the report, which is, by the way, titled <clears throat> Persecuted and Forgotten, a report on Christians oppressed for their faith. Uh, they found that Christians in 18 countries are facing worse or slightly worse situations than they did just two years ago. Uh, the countries, some of these names that you're going to hear are uh, not surprising. Some of them may be surprising here, but let me give you the list. Afghanistan, China, Eritrea, Ethiopia, India, Mali, Mozambique, Myanmar, Nigeria, North Korea, Pakistan, Qatar, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Syria, Turkey, and Vietnam. Those are the 18 countries where Christian persecution is now worse or slightly worse in 2022 than it, did, it was in 2020. What's interesting with regard to this is, for example, um, give you an idea of how bad the persecution has gotten. Well, we'll look at the numbers on the other side of this break because I think it's important for us to, to get what's really happening here. And one of the ways that we talk about that persecution is, let's face it, in a country where there's a, a majority Muslim country, take like in Iran, Syria, Sudan, something like that, uh, we know that there are people of the Muslim extraction who have been able to coexist uh, in other countries, so I should say other country. There's really only one. And it's not It's not a peaceful coexistence, but there is coexistence, and that is in Israel, where you see uh, Christians and Jews and Muslims um, all trying to find a way to, you know, uh, live and let live. But when you take a look at a nation like Syria, for example, and ask the question, well, how exactly are you measuring increased persecution what kind of impact is it having on the body of Christ in those nations? And how can we be praying for those people? We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to use Syria as just an example of how many people in the body of Christ are still there. Either they've been able to stay in the country and practice their Christian faith, or they had to flee to a different country because of the persecution was so bad. Or worse yet, how many people are renouncing their faith in Christ just because they're trying to stay alive? You know, maybe doing a verbal renunciation just to keep their job while still secretly, quietly, under covers, uh, keeping their faith strong at home. We'll take a look at those numbers coming up next as the bottom line continues. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500 
Okay, now you begin to see how the cost for ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com. Hit the Preborn banner right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. This day after Christmas, which is a holiday for many people, uh, simply because this is either when you're taking the Christmas holiday or you really do celebrate Boxing Day. I mean, in all honesty, Boxing Day, uh, Boxing Day was uh, started in England. It was a day when the help, the servants, if you will, of the rich uh, would actually uh, pre- prepare Christmas boxes for their help, and then they'd give them the day off. And uh, that was after they had boxed up all their stuff for their Christmas decorations. And so it does have kind of a, you know, uh, kind of leaves a bad taste in the mouth of some people. But nonetheless, I mean, if today's a holiday for you and, and you're tuning in because your, uh, your work pattern was disrupted or whatever, thank you for being with us today. We're taking a look at this new report, uh, Aid to uh, Christians. Uh, it, excuse me. I want to make sure I get the title of this organization right. Aid to the Church in Need is a Catholic organization that has been doing an analysis of uh, the 18 nations worldwide where the uh, the persecution of Christians has gotten worse or slightly worse. Those nations, again, Afghanistan, China, Eritrea, Ethiopia, India, Mali, Mozambique, Myanmar, Nigeria. Of course, they've been in the headlines a lot the past year or so. North Korea, Pakistan, Qatar, interestingly enough, as people watched what happened during the World Cup and, uh, you know, basically saw a couple of journalists wound up dying under rather suspicious uh, circumstances because of stances that they took that were not politically correct in Qatar. Um, You know, I'm not putting it past them. Russia, Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Syria, Turkey, and Vietnam are the 18 nations. And I'm turning the spotlight on Syria for just a moment. If you want to take a look at this, sometimes it, when we realize that these countries are are minority Christian countries, they're majority Muslim, you have to ask the question then, well, is there possible? Is it possible to peacefully coexist? When Miriam Ibrahim was on with me a couple weeks ago, actually, um, and she talked about what it was like to grow up in Sudan, to be born into a family where dad was Muslim, mom was Christian, but since the Sudanese uh, government is basically a theocracy because of... Uh, uh, what happens there in terms of the majority of the residents are Muslim. So the assumption is that if you're born there, you're born Muslim. And uh, Miriam's mother uh, was not considered a threat because she married a Muslim man and she's a woman, and therefore they don't care what she, uh, religion she is. She really doesn't have any standing with the government. But <laughs> nonetheless, um, her story is so remarkable because remember it, in the book Shackled, uh, that she wrote about that we still have linked up at thebottomlineshow.com. If you haven't heard that interview yet, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it because she talks about what it was like to commit the quote-unquote crimes, uh, first and foremost, falling in love with a Christian man, uh, then getting married, and then raising a family, and then having her identity tipped off. They had to live in secret uh, from hiding from the government. A couple of government officials found out. They get the knock on the door. She was taken to prison and was sentenced to hang to death because of her Christian faith. And when she had the audacity to look up 
at the judge while he was handing out the sentence, he added 100 lashes in the public square before she was to be hanged for being disrespectful to him. She didn't say a word. She looked at him. The next time you hear people in the United States talking about how horrible it is and how repressive it is for a woman to live in the U.S., please, before you start spreading that stuff, take a look at what women have to face in Middle Eastern countries where Sharia law is the law of the land. And, and I, again, I say that as a point of clarity and point of clarification, not as a shaming and, oh, yeah, and what about ism and that type of stuff. Just look at the realities of what these people are facing. So if you're a Christian and you live in a majority Muslim country, you have three options. Option number one, of course, is to renounce your faith. You renounce your faith in Christ, pledge your allegiance to Muhammad, and you're good. In Allah, you're, you're good. I mean, that's because they honestly believe if you are born in that country, you are born Muslim. That's what Sharia law dictates. Ironically, the Christian faith that so many Americans look at and say, oh, theocracy, bad, 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 etc., etc. Ironically, that Christian faith says that you are born into a sinful fallen world and you're a sinful fallen creature, but there is a remedy for your sin. And when the Holy Spirit of God gets a hold of your heart and gives you the gift of faith to believe that you could receive the gift of salvation, you can then embrace the free gift of God through Christ our Lord, who paid the penalty for your sin and my sin on the cross. And you say, I, you could confess, I'm a sinner. I, I can't free myself. I sin against God in thought, word, and deed with things that I do and things that I don't do. And I know that that's my human nature, and I will continue to do that even after I receive the gift of salvation. However, the difference is when I ask for forgiveness, all of my sins will be forgiven because I'm professing and claiming the name of Jesus Christ in his blood to wash my sin completely clean. And then beyond that, I repent of that sin so that when I do fall into that temptation, when I do you know, have a sinful misstep, I can repent. I can come back to the Lord and say, Lord God, please forgive me of my sin. And, and I, God will look at our hearts and say, you're truly repentant, your sin's forgiven and forgotten. Go and sin no more. Knowing that we do have the capacity to go and still sin more, but we are less likely to as the sanctification process takes place. In an Islamic country where a true theocracy rules, the government and the church are the same. I mean, they're basically one and the same. And so... In, in the theocracy that Mariam Ibrahim described, women have no rights. Women aren't, don't have any legal representation. They have no voice whatsoever. And right, here's an example of what Syria looks like, okay? Taking a look at the Syrian government, 10% of the population used to be Christian. That's as recently as five years ago, right? 10% of all of Syria. Today, the percentage of Syrians are Christian is 2%. Interestingly enough, when we saw the, uh, the, the, the removal of U.S. troops and forces from Afghanistan back in August of 2021, and people were so concerned about the military issue, and we left soldiers behind, we left weapons and cash behind, we basically left all our mineral reserves to the Taliban, but the one thing that we were looking at here at the bo bottom line show, obviously, was, of course, those are political and economic realities. But how about the fact that Afghanistan had the second fastest growing Middle Eastern Christian church happening in all of the world, 
especially in the Middle East. Iran, the church is on fire. I mean, just exploding like crazy. The Chinese church is growing. The Russian church is growing. We've watched this Russian versus Ukraine issue, and it was very tempting early on to look at that and say, well, Ukraine are the good guys because Russia attacked them, and they're bad guys, and we always hate them. And then we need to send USAID to support Ukraine, and then you start digging deeper and find out that Ukraine's got blood on their hands as well. And so who do we focus on? Well, from day one here on the Bottom Line Show, we have been encouraging bottom line listeners in the Russian-Ukraine situation to focus on our brothers and sisters in Christ who were there and under attack. The Russian citizens who didn't want to go to war, the Ukrainian Christians who are being attacked. And yet, church attendance is up. Request for Bibles and Christian literature is up. I mean, that region of the world, every time the world tries to come in, every time the enemy tries to come in, it seems, and destroy the good news of the gospel and just destroy an innocent people, the gospel flourishes. So for those of us here in the U.S. who are saying, hey, these, uh, uh, you know, the, the, these, these challenges to our faith, you know, which they're disrespectful, they're insulting. Uh, there's a better word for it, but uh, it's escaping me right now. But is it persecution? Well, consider that when you see about what's happening in Iran, the church is exploding. In Iraq, quite frankly, where the U.S. went in and tried to liberate and everything like that, um, the church is now practically extinct. There is no question that there is sectarian violence everywhere you turn. And let's not get started about Nigeria, right? I mean, from January 2021 until June of 2022, the number of Christians in Nigeria who were reportedly murdered for their faith hit 7,600 nearly 700 incidents of anti-Christian violence in India. Divide that by 18. I mean, it's, just, it's becoming more commonplace. And this is ironically in places where there are not huge percentages of the population who are Christian. So you have to ask the question, what are they so afraid of? Let me give you a word of encouragement on the other side of this break about what all this persecution means. The numbers are harrowing. We need to be in prayer for our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted this way, but there's a silver lining to all this story. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You never know what little thing you can do for someone that can make a change in their life. Personal injury attorney Stephanie Cover has a servant's heart. She will do everything in her power to fully restore you to what your life was like before your injury, using her 25 years of experience to fight for the fair value of your case. Stephanie puts others first and works tirelessly for her clients. Even when she can't help through representation, she does everything she can do to connect people with the help they need through spreading the word of God and sharing her community. Stephanie Cover is grateful for what she has and tries to give back however she can. She believes that as a Christian, you don't turn your back on anyone. Save her number or call now, 877-214-4935. 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Then fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash law. Stephanie Cover. She knows the other side. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and uh, this hour we're focusing on international missions here on the day after Christmas, especially as we think about uh, Christ the Lord being born to us in the city of David. Uh, the Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and how, how the advent of our Lord's birth leads us to the advent of his second coming. And boy, when we look at look at the way our 
brothers and sisters are being persecuted all over the world. We say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, or Maranatha, if you will. Um, taking a look at this brand new report by a group that's uh, new to me, uh, literally, called, literally called Aid to the Church in Need. Their re- report is called Persecuted and Forgotten, a report on Christians oppressed for their faith from 2020 to 2022. And I mentioned the 7,600 Nigerian Christians who were murdered between January 2021 and June of 2022. The over 700 incidents of anti-Christian violence in India, where Syria, where the Christian population has fallen from two, 10% of the total population to just 2%. But as, as frustrating as this is, and trust me, it is very easy from my studio here to share with you today on radio airwaves that are free and unfiltered. I mean, you listen to them. The cost of admission for you is knowing that uh, there are businesses that are buying advertising time here to keep us on the air, and there are ministries that are underwriting their time. So the cost of them using our airwaves to prom- promote their message is covered. Uh, it, it's easy. It's really easy. I mean, the only inconvenience for me is traffic every now and again. Maybe some technical issues if we're going remotely from one studio to the next. But we have brothers and sisters who are being starved to death. They're being executed. Their churches and homes are being burned. And yet, ask yourself the question. If the population of Christians in Syria is only 2%, why do Muslims... And not just radical extremists, but why do Muslims care? I mean, why do they really care about this small percentage of Christians? I mean, for example, as of December 11 of this year, the estimated population of Syria is 18.5 million people. 10% of that, of course, 1.8 million, but 2% of that is about 360,000. Why? Why do they care? And here's the reason why they care. The same reason why Herod wanted all the newborn babies killed. The same reason why Moses was supposed to be put underwater and the Hebrew babies weren't supposed to live. Because that one little spark of light against a huge backdrop of darkness, guess who wins? By winning, it doesn't necessarily mean that the light completely eliminates the darkness. But you can't not look at a little speck of light in the darkest of rooms in the darkest of backgrounds. This little light of mine, still shining in Syria, still shining in Afghanistan, still shining in Sudan, still shining the world over. Lord, help us to be diligent to continue to support the men and women and the boys and girls who are fighting and standing up for it. They're fighting just by preaching your word in areas that are hostile to it. And thank you for ministries like Through the Bible that are taking this internationally into hundreds of different languages using video, using radio, using podcasting, all the different means necessary. Father, it is our privilege here at Crawford Broadcasting to stand with them in partnership. It is our privilege as brothers and sisters in Christ here in the U.S. to support this global outreach. We pray that you continue to bless it and make it even more fruitful in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, my good friend, president and CEO of Through the Bible, Greg Harris, is going to join me for their monthly update coming up next as the bottom line continues. Bless your children with the help you've always wanted to give them. Newport Bay Mortgage works with your unique circumstances to explain the benefits of a reverse mortgage in today's market. Act now and provide for your family in need by gifting them a fraction of the fruits of your labor. With Newport Bay Mortgage, you can clarify the advantages of a reverse mortgage in your specific situation 
with professional insights on the current market. Sharing the rewards of a reverse mortgage is a valuable act of service that helps your loved ones establish valuable financial security for the future. Use the gift from your home to contribute towards God's work and plans by blessing your family in need with real financial help. Make up your mind today to make a difference in the lives of those who mean the most to you. Start by calling Newport Bay Mortgage at 714-741-8080. 714-741-8080. Visit kbrightradio.com slash reverse or NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage is an equal opportunity housing lender. Well, welcome to our special monthly conversation with Greg Harris, the president and CEO through the Bible. I'm Roger Marsh, host of the Bottom Line Show, which is uh, headquartered at our flagship affiliate, KBRT in Los Angeles, California, but heard throughout the Western United States on uh, uh, My Hope Now and a variety of different app-based uh, applications as well. I guess an app-based application is kind of redundant. Greg Harris, welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. <laughs> Always a joy. Great to be with you. See, this is why I was a bass player. One note at a time, stay in one key, don't get too fancy, <laughs> maybe do a double stop because then you don't say things like app-based applications. But uh, anyway... <laughs> It does happen. I'm blaming. I'm blaming it on the after effects of COVID. How about yeah? That? Absolutely. Just, yeah, you we'll get a pass. That. You get yeah, a thank pass. Thank you. I appreciate that. We get. We have so much fun. I mean, this is obviously a, <laughs> it's a labor of love for both of us to get together every month and have these these conversations to give you as a bottom line listener and a Crawford Broadcasting listener uh, an opportunity to kind of find out what's going on behind the scenes. I know if you listen to Through the Bible on a regular basis, you hear Steve Schwetz and Greg Harris on a fairly you know a consistent tone. Uh, reading letters, telling stories, things like that. But this gives you a chance to kind of go behind the scenes and uh, just hear Greg sharing from his heart about what God is doing in this remarkable ministry, uh, whether it's a story about Dr. McGee that we haven't heard or a story as how the ministry is impacting the listeners. Greg, I know you always come armed to the teeth with uh, with stories. I, yes. I, I think I even used the expression uh, forest cry when Greg yes, Harris drives by. Yes, you did. Yes, because, yes. Uh, uh, but 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 good for you for I mean first of all you have them and secondly yeah um, that's the best way to to share them what what stories did you bring for this week's conversation well so many so many stories and over the last few months uh, hopefully some of our listeners have had a chance to catch our conversations um, you know our goal Roger I think is to bring uh, inspiration and encouragement to people you know we all need it I need it I mean I know Amen. you say I'm always I always sound up but you know I I live in this world too and I read the news and go oh, I don't know if I can take it anymore I mean I think we're all feeling that uh, the, the negativity the anger the you know the strident tones that are being used in our world I'm not I am not ignoring all that what I'm saying is remember that old song turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful Face mm -hmm. and the things of earth will grow strangely, strangely dim, dim in the light of his wonder and grace, right? Amen. Amen. I think that's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to stick our head in the sand. We're trying to put our heads, our eyes up to heaven. And God is doing so many wonderful things. So if you haven't heard uh, uh, our earlier dialogues, I'm going to challenge you to go back and find the podcasts and uh, listen, because I'm pretty sure you will be, uh, you'll be encouraged. Okay. Yeah, that's, so, that's the whole point. So let's start. Let's go to Nepal. OK, we're talking about end of the earth. I've been to Nepal. It is, uh, you know, that's where the Himalayas are. It's a it's a, a, a way out there place. But God is working uh, powerfully. So here's a story that we got from a, a gentleman named Bajanath. He is a 70 year old who was actually born in uh, eastern India, but he ended up settling in Nepal. He was involved in a local business transporting coal. 
and he was trapped into dealing in fake currency. And as a result of that, he was imprisoned in the Kathmandu jail for six years or six years ago. And they also hit him with a hefty fine. Uh, and even though he completed his sentence, he has not yet been released because his fine has not been paid. Um, and so, again, we've talked about this a lot, Roger. The, the people that we the stories we tell, these are real people. They have real feelings. You know, you can imagine this poor man. He's just trying to make a living. He he gets a little bit pressured into doing something he shouldn't. And the next thing you know, he's in a Nepalese jail, which I doubt has uh, some of the uh, amenities of, of a, a American prison right. system. Right. You know, and I'm not saying it's great to be in jail. I'm just saying we're talking about some pretty scary conditions in, in a place like Kathmandu. Well, Bajanath has been watching the Satya Vachan program, which is one of our uh, TTB programs uh, in, the, in one of the Indian languages. He's been watching the TV program for two years, and he starts his day with Satya Vachan. He says the program has changed his life, and he is able to understand the word of God with greater clarity. The program also caused in him the desire to share this blessing with others. He was inspired to assemble a small group of inmates every day to watch the program with him. He prays for the various needs of the fellow inmates, and in response to the prayer, the Lord has done many great things in their lives. Mm. He has committed to serve the Lord when he is released, and he requests prayer for his hearing, which is scheduled just a, a month or two ago from when we're recording right now. So I haven't heard the rest of his story, but uh, but isn't that amazing how a, a television program could penetrate into a Nepalese prison? Yeah, and especially when you see a guy in a situation like his where you're not talking hardened criminal. You're talking about someone who is looking for a way to make a better life for his family and kind of got squeezed into this. And again, not to say that what he did you know, was excusable, right. but isn't it nice to see how God sees the hearts of people reaches into a situation like that where he would be potentially untouchable and touches his heart. It's just, it's, it's incredible how God's using the ministry this way. Well, and we probably could write a whole book on uh, stories of, of men and women in prison who have been transformed through the ministry of through the Bible. I, I have personally met uh, this man. You may remember this story because it's one of my all time favorites, Roger, because, and I, I met this man, this man was a gangster he had uh, ordered the murders of 10 individuals mm. and was eventually uh, arrested and convicted and given life imprisonment for, uh, you know, for the murder. And this man clearly was a leader. I mean, even before he was a Christian, he was a leader. So he's in prison. Somebody gives him a Bible. And he said, and this is a man in India. He said, uh, I, I'm reading this Bible, but I don't understand it. And one of the other inmates said, well, you know, there's a radio program that explains the whole Bible. Mm. And uh, apparently in this prison, uh, they weren't even allowed to have radios. Probably he was in the maximum security because he was a murderer. And this man, I, I'm guessing, is a very persuasive individual. He went to the warden and he said, look, I'm trying to find out if there is a true living God. And I've got the Bible and I've heard there's a radio program. Will you give me an exemption? Let me have a radio. I really want to find out if this is the true God. Well, he, he must have won the prison warden over because he got a radio. <laughs> he started listening. Of course, you know where this is headed. Yep. He, gets, he gets gloriously saved. He starts, you know, ministering like this other gentleman. 
so often people get saved and they immediately start ministering to other people. It's just natural. So this man is literally basically building a church in the prison. He is so transformed that they let him out of prison, even though he was not supposed to ever get paroled. They said, you are a different, you're a different person. We're going to let you out of prison. He wow. now pastors nine different churches mm. in India, this guy. Incredible, incredible to see the reach. But Greg Harris, you mentioned something. I'm talking with Greg Harris, the president and CEO through the Bible, ttb.org. As you were sharing that testimony, you were talking not so much about him as a criminal, you know, the things that he'd done, the reason why he was in prison. You were talking about who he was and the gifts that God had yeah. given him from birth. He's a leader. He's an influencer. Yeah. He's this, that, and the other thing. And it's amazing how our culture will get to the point. We had a, a conversation about this earlier, about how social media can be restricted by even the most important people in the world. But during the break, I remember sharing, you know, we didn't talk about who the president was that had his Twitter account shut down or whatever it was. I think right. most people know. But it's amazing how when you bring that part of it into it, then you all of a sudden become a doom scroller and it's all about media. Whereas when you're talking about this gentleman here uh, in in prison for murder and say, yeah, but he's a leader, he's a this, he's a that, and saying, okay, God is going to do something remarkable in this guy's life, and now he's pastoring nine churches. I mean, we're we're thrilled, but should we really be all that surprised? Right. Well, it's you biblically think of the Apostle Paul. I mean, the yeah. guy was yeah. brilliant. He was a leader. He was an influencer. He was a man of action. Uh, and all of it was in the wrong direction until right. the Damascus Road experience. Right. And and that's why, I, you know, we all have unsaved people in our lives, friends, family, neighbors that we are. And I know I've got people that I just beg the Lord. I'm praying for their salvation. Yep. Yep. And 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 some of them. uh in fact, my friend Steve Schwetz has, has someone very close to him that he is praying for uh, all the time. And uh, our Leo Carlin, who is our 92-year young chairman emeritus, <laughs> yeah. he says, Steve, that's just you without the Holy Spirit. And mm. he said, wait till, wait till the Holy Spirit gets a hold of this young man, and, and he will be like you, Steve Schwetz, because Steve Schwetz, the host of Through the Bible, is an extraordinary man of God and a, a man of business, and he, he serves people. He is, he's such a, a godly example. But, yeah, I wouldn't want to know him without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I often tease Steve, and I, I often say, I'm glad you have the Holy Spirit, because Steve is such a powerful, you know, uh, he's intelligent, he's articulate, yeah. He's, yeah. he's got a fabulous mind. Yeah, God can, God can redeem anything in a person's life. Mm -hmm. He certainly can. I'm talking with Greg Harris today, the president and CEO of Through the Bible, ttp.org. It's our monthly check-in here on the Crawford Broadcasting Network. More of this conversation in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Well, Dennis Wilson is with me today here on the bottom line. I'm Roger Marsh, 800-696-9970 or go to wilson-financial.com. There are a lot of people who have been really taking a bath when it comes to stocks this year. Stock market off 25% in some segments. But yet you have a new program that's really designed to help somebody in that situation earn some of that loss back. It's obviously designed to do exactly that. It's a very limited offer on a 16% guaranteed return on your account in an account that in the next two years can never go down. It is a great vehicle to help people who have lost money because of the way the market is. But there is a time limit, is there not, Dennis Wilson? People have to act now. The 4th of January, you have an additional, I think, 30 or 60 days to get the funds in because some of these IRA accounts take a while to move. But yes, the initial application and declaration that you want to start the account needs to be signed by 1-4-23. 
Well, this is a golden opportunity. Go to wilson-financial.com, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial. Greg Harris, President and CEO of Through the Bible, ttb.org. Greg's my guest today here on the Bottom Line Show for our monthly check-in where you get a chance to go behind the scenes of uh, behind the scenes. I mean, this is this is even more inside information than you get when Greg and Steve Schwetz are reading letters on the Through the Bible program. So, I mean, uh, uh, I feel privileged. I mean, you certainly do to have these conversations with Greg Harris. Uh, we've been talking about stories of people whose lives have been transformed uh, by the ministry of Through the Bible, and we could spend months going through, you know, a half hour of time doing that. What What's another story you'd like to share with us, Greg? Yeah, Harris? well, and let me just say, I'm grateful too, Roger, because generally Steve and I get somewhere between three minutes and maybe five, five and a half minutes. And, you know, to have this time to explain and, and, and to banter back and forth about what God is doing, I, I really hope that everybody hearing these are, you know, that everybody hearing our voices are, are getting uplifted and getting yeah. some hope and vision God is at work literally all over the world. Okay, let's go to places we never hear about. When's the last right. time you read a news story about Senegal? Okay, uh, Senegal, <laughs> probably been a while, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> all right, has. Senegal is in Central Africa. More than 90% of the population follows Islam. And uh, here's just a short, I like sometimes we get real short, but very powerful very, there's a whole world of the story behind what I'm about to share with you. Simple response from Senegal. Thank you very much for all your teachings, which are so instructive. I come from a Muslim background, but after my conversion, there were so many things I did not understand. And through this teaching and the help of the Holy Spirit, I now have answers. Please keep teaching. My love for God grows each time I open his book with you. Amen. Amen. I love hearing that. I love that. Please keep at it. Not yeah. just a, this was good for me. I benefited today. Thanks for doing what you did. But yes, thanks for doing what you keep doing. That That's so encouraging to me. Well, and this person coming from a Muslim background in a country that is almost exclusively Muslim, you can imagine they, they meet this Jesus and there's all kinds of ways they meet him. But they meet Jesus. They bow at his feet and say, I want you to save me. I want to make you the Lord of my life. And and then and then they say, now what? You know, they don't have a church that they can go to. And we have to remember that, Roger, that many, many huge millions upon millions of people, hundreds of millions of people don't even have a, a, a true Christian church that they could go to in their town. And so mm -hmm. very frequently the Christian broadcasts, they they will they will be the only source of spiritual teaching. Mm. It's so important to realize that. As you listen to a ministry like Through the Bible on Crawford Broadcasting Radio or My Hope Now or the My Hope Now app, uh, that when you are listening to this and benefiting from it, you're praying for the ministry, of course. You're praying for the people that they ask you to pray for. But also remembering, too, and again, Greg would never do this, so I'll do this while Greg, I've muted his mic so he can't say anything <laughs> about it. Well, wait, you're supposed to be oh, muted. Sorry, no, I'll be kidding. quiet. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is why we encourage bottom line listeners and Crawford Broadcasting listeners to pray for and support ministries like, in this case, through the Bible. Absolutely, your financial support makes it possible for them to continue broadcasting with us, but it makes these stories that you're hearing possible because with the, the, the money that comes through, and you can tell this is a faith-based ministry because as Greg and I like to tease each other about, there actually is no, I think this constitutes about 
as much development and advancement work as Through the Bible does. Is that accurate, Greg Harris? I mean, oh, yeah. me, I mean me coming on the radio and asking for money is about as much as you're going to hear. Yeah, it's about as hard uh, hardcore as it's going to get. And you're never, ever going to get a letter, any piece of correspondence, email, anything ever specifically asking you, saying, please send us money. Now, we let right. people know, and Dr. McGee, Dr. McGee tells people, but again, the point is, we're not asking for ourselves. This person in Senegal said, please keep teaching. I was a Muslim. I need this. This is my oxygen. And that's the only reason we ever ask is for that reason, is so we can give it to somebody hungry. So Amen. thank you, though, Roger. Uh, do, do we have time to go to Ghana, another oh, country? Yes. Yeah, another that. country in Africa that I doubt you've heard a news story about uh, in a long time, if ever. Okay. I felt aimless and empty. I questioned my life and what I was meant to do. A friend suggested that I join him in listening to your programs. At first, I was outraged. I had always heard that Jesus was a prophet. Well, I think we know. Let's stop there, Roger. We know this person <laughs> is from a Muslim background if they're saying yes. outraged and B, Jesus was a prophet. Okay. So this letter from Ghana continues. But as I listened more, I learned that the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ has mm. given Christians direct access to the throne of grace. The fact that we can come before God himself because of Jesus really touched me. I now believe I am also a child of God. Amen. Amen. It's, just, it's so beautiful to hear that. And I know I, I, you, you've heard from so many different people of different backgrounds who've come to faith in Christ. My mind still typically leans Western in terms uh -huh. of thinking, here's somebody who wasn't any religion and now they're a Christian. But you see so many people who are Hindi, who are Baha'i, who are Buddhist, who are Muslim, who come to faith in Christ. To hear a former Muslim saying, our Lord Jesus Christ, it's just, it, it melts my heart. I just, I, it never gets old. It just, it, it really inspires. And I, I, that must, that's the reason why you're always smiling, Greg. Right <laughs> well, well, it is. And, you know, and I, we've talked about this, you know, I, I'm just like all of us. I get discouraged. I get down. But you know what? This one reason I love doing this and I consider it just uh, it's like eating, uh, you know, cake and ice cream for me to hang out with my friend Roger and tell our, our friends who care about the word of God that they, God's word is alive, powerful and active in the world. I always I am always uplifted by our times together. And yeah. And let's right. remember that people coming from Muslim backgrounds are often taking huge risks with mm -hmm. their life, yes. their livelihood, their marriage, their family, uh, their, their whole societal structure often gets pulled out from under them. This is not like, you know, you go to Thanksgiving and say, hey, I'm now a born again Christian and the rest of your family looks at you like, you know, you're strange. Mm -hmm. that, we're talking about real persecution that's going on around the world. I, I'm so grateful that we have these times together to have this conversation and to kind of level set, if you will, you know, with regard to what's going on. Greg, give us another uh, story of inspiration here in your stack of stuff uh, that you bring into the studio every time we get together. Okay, here, here's one. And I like this one because it gives a different slant than what we normally hear from, the, again, the country of Belarus. We've had a few news stories in the last decade out of Belarus, but not many, mostly about terrorism. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and this is what the letter said. Don't be discouraged by hateful comments. I almost wrote one myself. This is a, le a letter mm. to our Belarusian, uh, from a Belarusian listener. I saw a link to your broadcast and I decided to listen for fun. 
I just wanted to laugh at some religious fundamentalists. Without ever hearing you, I hated what you stood for and what Mm. you spoke of. I was getting ready to write a mean comment. I even started a few times, but I stopped because I wanted to keep listening. You were talking about faith, and I have never heard that before. You talked about believers from the Bible, and I realized that faith manifested itself in concrete actions and not just customs and traditions. I will keep listening. I want to know more about Jesus and how I can follow him. Mm. Wow. Wow. And it all started with someone who really wanted to chide the ministry. Oh, yeah. Kind of goad you and say, hey, you know, I'm only listening in because I'm going to make fun of you. I'm going to I'm going to try to cut you down. And now they're saying, boy, I'm so glad I kept listening. Something brought me along. Isn't it wonderful to hear how God uses that, even our own flesh, you know, to bring us to him. But we think, oh, well, I'm so clever. <laughs> I'll show this Greg Harris guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show this Dr. McGee guy. And uh, instead, what do you wind up with? Is you wind up with the blood you just shared. It's a great encouraging story. Well, and I think the encouragement to all of us is that holding forth the word of life, the word of God, you know, we need to give people access to the actual word of God and when they hear the word of God, it's suddenly they don't lampoon it anymore. You know, I'm not not right. always some people continue to. But 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 many people we we hear from so many listeners like this that say, you know, uh, many Muslims listen to discredit us and 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 they are angry. And, and we do get some angry, mean spirited letters. But a lot of times they they keep writing and and our our staff or our team members, our partners they engage them in loving Christ-like uh, dialogue, and then they, they end up giving their heart to Jesus. It's a, it's a wonderful thing that God is it, doing. It certainly is, and these stories are so encouraging. We're going to take a quick break and come back with more in just a moment. Greg Harris, the uh, president and CEO of Through the Bible, is with us today here on The Bottom Line Show. TTB.org is where you find them online. Also find the app at Google Play and the App Store. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Well, welcome back to this special edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, uh, joined by Greg Harris, President and CEO Through the Bible. TTB.org is uh, where you can find them online. And we're just hearing some really great stories about how the ministry of Through the Bible has been impacting people worldwide. Greg, we've got time for one more story, if you would share with us. because uh, And where are we going to in this part of the world for this conversation? Well, now we're going to go to the country of Kuwait, which we haven't heard about in the news since the Persian Gulf War a decade or so ago. Um, mm-hmm. And this is Arabic television being watched uh, by someone in Kuwait. And it says this, The more I study with you, the more my eyes are open to the unity of the Bible, its truthfulness, and its revelation through its prophecies, that had a previous and future fulfillment. The God of the Bible is the Holy One and worthy of our praise. Mm, amen. Amen. And that's great to hear. You know, I, we talk so much about the listeners who uh, write in and, and share these things, and obviously they're important too. But Greg, I know that you've got some stories. I mean, obviously you weren't walking alongside Dr. McGee uh, when he was doing the recordings. I think you and I were still in high school. Um, <laughs> so, right. so if I if I remember correctly, yeah. though, you were you were probably advanced and you were probably working on your first master's degree by the time I was graduating <laughs> from high school because you're one of those kids. Right. But uh, I'm sure there's a Dr. McGee story that uh, just kind of as we've been reminiscing here uh, during the past half hour. What about Dr. McGee? That, uh, that brings you joy and brings our would bring our listeners some encouragement. Share that with us, if you would. 
Well, it does. And thanks for giving me a chance to do that, because I obviously listen to Through the Bible every day. I mean, it's uh, important that I'm that I'm also on the Bible bus. And one of the ways that God uses Dr. McGee's teaching is he he speaks to me about the philosophy of our ministry. And one of my all time favorite uh, uh, things that he teaches uh, and I, I have to remember the exact, I think he's in the book of Ephesians, but as always, he's talking about the importance of Jesus and the unimportance of J. Vernon McGee. Mm-hmm. And some of our listeners, they love Dr. McGee and they don't, I'm not, I'm not down on Dr. McGee, but he, he tells his story. And I think it, it, it says everything about how we run the ministry through the Bible. He tells a story of a good friend of his who went to Niagara Falls for the first time in his life. And he said, he checked into the hotel He walked down to the lobby and he looked up and he said he saw the biggest picture of Niagara Falls he he could ever imagine in his life. And then he kind of blinked and he realized it wasn't a picture of Niagara Falls. It was a giant window of Mm. Niagara and he was seeing the actual falls of uh, through the window. And Dr. McGee gets extremely passionate and he says this radio program is about being a window for you to see the loveliness, the person, the work of Jesus Christ. And if you, if we get in the way of that, and if we're not achieving that, if we are not showing you Jesus Christ in all of his wonder and splendor and glory, then we will go off the air tomorrow. And Mm. I, you know, Roger, that, that story has gripped my heart that, that everything that we do, we've talked, you know, for over months and months, you and I have talked, we've literally traveled the world. We've gone from this country to that country. Mm-hmm. This is all about showing people Jesus Christ through the word of God. And that is all we exist to do. That's all we ever want to do. And if we're ever doing anything else, we will we'll knock it off and we'll shut it down. Boy, you talk about how the mission statement of uh, through the Bible is bringing the whole word to the whole world. Uh, you could probably add bring a window to the word yes as well you know with that, that that image and i love the fact that it's it's dr mcgee at his self-effacing best you know when you get right down to it saying hey this isn't about me it's not even really about us it's about the word of god and making it clear so clear that you're looking at uh what that looks like a painting to many people and it's historical fact but it's really living and active and you can see it and you can experience it in that way uh, Greg Harris, the time ba- passes by much too quickly. I want to call you Dr. Greg Harris. Does having two masters qualify you for, can we just put them <laughs> together and call it a doctorate at some, maybe if there's a university out there right now that's looking to uh, make sure that Greg Harris has one, he certainly earned one in, uh, in ministry and that type <laughs> Oh, Roger. Yeah, now I you're think. making me uncomfortable. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, I'm your hype guy. I'm you your are, hype man. guy. You that's are. right. Uh, Greg Harris, uh, president and CEO of Through the Bible, ccb.org. Uh, Greg, always good. To, great to get our monthly visit in together. Thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. It's a huge blessing. Thank you, Roger. Well, love that uh, conversation we always get to have every month here on The Bottom Line Show featuring Greg Harris, the president and CEO of Through the Bible. TTB.org is where you find them online. And I encourage you, Greg wouldn't ask for this. Uh, Dr. McGee doesn't ask for this because, you know, quite frankly, he's with the Lord. But one of the things about through the Bible that I absolutely love is the fact that they have such a huge global imprint. They have been able to make such an impression uh, with so many people over so many years, and they do it in a way that is just so, I would say God-honoring. 
Uh, not that other ministries aren't, but when you go listen to the Through the Bible broadcast, they don't ask for donations. They do not ask for support. And I want to give their phone number out here as we wrap things up for this half hour. 865-BIBLE, 800-65-BIBLE, that's 800-652-4253. Make a donation here at the end of the year that's completely tax deductible to support the ministry of Dr. J. Vernon McGee and Through the Bible. Uh, you will be glad you did. Uh, it's very it's money well invested. I've never seen a ministry run as efficiently as through the Bible does, and that's in large part to obviously the way God works through Greg Harris and his team. 865 Bible, make a donation for Through the Bible today. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. We've got Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain on the network, what exactly is triumphal Christianity, and why does Dr. Michael Brown believe it has met its demise? We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Well, welcome to another week of broadcast here on the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas holiday. Today is the day after Christmas. Duh. Uh, it's December 26th. Uh, December 26th is affectionately referred to as Boxing Day. And I realize it's still a holiday, I think, in the U.K. and uh, possibly even in Canada as well because of their English ties. Um, for those who do celebrate Boxing Day, you may want to think twice. <laughs> the only reason I bring that up is because... Um, when it comes to the history of Boxing Day, Boxing Day, traditionally, the way I understand it, was a day that was rather uh, uh, it was common among the elites in England, and it was a day when their servants were all working for them, you know, at, all throughout the Christmas holidays, and regardless of when their day off was, Boxing Day was a day off for those who worked for the elites. And what they would do is they'd give them Christmas boxes with gifts in them, and then they'd send them home for the day. And then they could open the boxes with presents, Christmas bonus, I guess you'd call it, or whatever it was. And uh, then you could also uh, have the day off with your family with pay. And then um, it also was a time for those families to kind of get all their stuff together, Christmas decor, and start putting them back in boxes. So, um, of course, I don't know if I, if I lived in one of those big English manors and we had people who worked for us who were taking care of things around the house. Um, I don't know that I would be in a big hurry to put stuff away on the 26th because the staff's coming back on the 27th. <laughs> Why not have them do it? Anyway, I, I realize, and again, the, the idea of the servant and servanthood, I realize that English and England has a, a long history of slavery, and thanks to the efforts of people like William Wilberforce, led the abolitionist movement for many, many years. And so uh, this is not to make light of anyone who would have been working in someone's home in that capacity, but rather someone who was a hired person who had you know rights in a home and things like that as well so if this is boxing day for you um happy boxing day i re recall being a newly uh minted father and having a boxing day event because uh we just quite frankly retired at christmas the christmas tree was pretty much dried up and so we were boxing it out and there was a huge fight that happened in our neighborhood and police were called so that, that was a different kind of boxing Boxing Day does not have those uh, connotations, though. Hey, I wanted to take a look here as we uh, get things going. Um, it's the day after Christmas, kind of a reflective day, uh, kind of maybe a day off for you at work uh, if you are uh, working for a company that does, uh, you know, that ordinarily give you a Christmas holiday off. And since Christmas was Sunday, you've got today off. Um, I realize there are a lot of people who tune into the Bottom Line show on holidays or days that aren't typically days on. And so I say welcome to anyone who just found the Bottom Line Show for the first time. Uh, maybe someone's been talking about it. Maybe you want to hear who this guy is who you know rants and 
talks about all sorts of different things. That would be me. My name is Roger Marsh. And uh, we come your way every weekday afternoon from 4 to 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time, 3 to 4.30 p.m. Pacific Time on a variety of different affiliates that are all connected to the Crawford Broadcasting Company. We're in 31 radio-rated markets. And then also with a podcast, and you can see selected video clips at myhopenow.com. And this week between Christmas and New Year's, we typically will uh, take a look back at some of the uh, more popular interviews from the past 12 months. We'll also, uh, we still have new guests coming on this week. We have fresh programming here for you each and every day here on the Bottom Line Show. And then coming up this Thursday, it'll be our year-end review of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast featuring Bob Duco, who's the host of the Bob Duco Show on WMUZ in Detroit, our flagship station, the premier station of the Crawford Broadcasting chain. Uh, KBRT has a sentimental uh, poll uh, here in the Southern California area. And I'm Roger Marsh, host of the Bottom Line Show that's part of that. And then uh, John Rush, Rush to Reason on KLZ, which is actually our, we have a conservative talk station. It's not Christian per se. John's a born-again Christian, but KLZ is a uh, uh, conservative talker, and John hosts Rush to Reason every weekday afternoon from 3 to 7 on AM 560 in Denver. And then Neil Boron, host of Neil Boron Live, one of my favorite programs in all of Christian media. And the reason I, I do like it is because Neil's on four hours every day, two hours of teaching and talk, kind of the way we do Bottom Line Show, and then two hours of music. And Neil's an ordained minister, he's a pastor, I'm ordained as well. And when we get together for the National Crawford Roundtable broadcast and podcast it's a lot of fun to see what god will do in our conversation through the four of us so uh, this coming wednesday at uh, sometime in the afternoon we'll uh, be releasing our year-end podcast and then you'll hear the first half hour of it on the tail end of the bottom line show on thursday the 29th and then coming up this friday just doing a lot of housekeeping here coming up this friday I'm going to have the opportunity to hear something that's become a bit of a holiday tradition here for us at the end of every year. Uh, my lovely wife, Lisa, and I have been married for, it'll be three years. We celebrate our third anniversary uh, coming up this Saturday, uh, December the 31st. We got married on New Year's Eve 2019. Um, we got married. We went on our honeymoon, came back from Maui, and there was a pandemic and everything went crazy <laughs> around here. So really glad we, our family was like, why did you guys have such a short engagement? And get married. So we, we got engaged in October and got married on New Year's Eve. Well, God knew. <laughs> he knew that if we had waited, we might be sitting around for a while waiting to have the kind of wedding we were hoping to have with our family. So anyway, the year that uh, Lisa and I got married on the day before the wedding, on uh, Monday the 30th, since Tuesday the 31st, I was going to be at my wedding that day. We got married in the afternoon. Uh, Lisa joined me in the studio and we did a uh, kind of a, hey, everybody, I'm getting married. This is my fiance. Meet Lisa. And uh, people really liked the show. They thought it was very interesting. And so you hear, if you've listened to the program for any period of time, you've heard me talk about Lisa and how much I really love her and how much I think she still loves me. And not kidding, honey, I'm kidding. And <laughs> of course she does. And so we came on on our first anniversary and did an hour and talked about, you know, what the first year of married life was like, and people really liked it. They're like, oh, it's great to get to know Lisa and whatever. So last year, now the bottom line's an hour and a half show, we did the whole hour and a half, and people really dug it again. So we're already getting emails from listeners saying, is Lisa going to be on this year at the end of uh, the, the calendar year? And the answer is yes. Uh, Lisa and I will be co-hosting the show this Friday, December 30th, from 3 to 4.30 p.m. Pacific. And uh, I don't know if we'll be brave enough to get the Zoom going with uh, the, the recordings, the cameras, but... Uh, 
I, and that's again because you know she's I love my wife and <laughs> maybe we'll zoom maybe we'll go pro maybe we'll just keep it audio anyway but that's coming up this week hey to kick things off here I wanted to uh, um, give a little bit of airtime to an opinion piece that was posted a couple weeks ago in Christian Post uh, written by a guy by the name of Dr. Michael Brown. Uh, Dr. Michael Brown is a broadcaster and podcaster. He's the host of the nationally syndicated program called Line of Fire. Uh, he has a website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org. Uh, he has a uh, Facebook page and a YouTube page, et cetera, et cetera. His uh, latest book is called Revival or We Die, A Great Awakening is Our Only Hope. And he took to the pages of the Christian Post to write an op-ed piece that I think... Uh, it really does kind of set the tone for where we find ourselves in the U.S. Uh, just using politics alone, the last four elections, I'm talking presidential election of 2016, midterm election of 2018, presidential election of 2020, and now the recently completed uh, midterm election of 2022, have been a real eye-opener for evangelical Christians. No question about it. Eye-opener in a couple different ways. First and foremost, the fact that people who adhere to the fact that they would say America is a Christian nation got a pretty rude awakening over the last four election cycles. And maybe even dating back to 2014 midterms and 2012 uh, national elections as well. There used to be, I think, a, 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 an attitude of people in the body of Christ that you could vote your conscience you could vote for a candidate or an issue or whatever and say, I did this because I'm a Christian. And people would say, oh, the Christian voting block voted this way or the Christian business community did this or whatever. But recently it's been challenged. It's been called into question. For example, the nomination of Donald Trump in 2016 put a lot of Christian people on edge. Some people saying, wow, I mean, the guy's got such a, sordid reputation and there was that tape of, you know grab him by the you know that there's he, he's been married three times kind of foul-mouthed he seems like he's a racist I mean there were a lot of people who looked at Donald Trump that way in the body of Christ and other people looked at him and said oh man it's about time businessman tough talker no nonsense take no prisoners you know that and when he did win the election, I knew a lot of people, even who weren't Donald Trump fans, who said, okay, well, not my cup of tea, but maybe God's using him. I mean, some very well-respected leaders that I know in the Christian community, Bible teachers that you hear who host national and international programs that are guests on this broadcast said, yeah, this that whole modern-day Cyrus thing, okay, I'll give you that. But then came the midterms, and of course, there was that kind of rebuke 45 House seats changed hands from Republican to Democrat. A lot of Republicans distanced themselves from Donald Trump. And the MAGA cry got a little more strained. In 2020, Joe Biden shows up. The Donald Trump, was the election stolen or rigged or whatever? And you begin to see that even here in 2022, there were a lot of Christians who were voting for certain issues and supporting certain candidates, really finding themselves at odds. And I think the question that a lot of Christians have had to ask and answer is, is America a Christian nation? Is God's hand of providence still on our country? Are we experiencing persecution as Christians? But maybe, just maybe, is our winning streak in the culture over? 
it seems like biblical values go on the ballot and they lose. Biblical values go in the marketplace and they lose. And all of a sudden, you find yourself saying, well, gosh, I mean, I wonder how many people were Christians because it worked, because they won. Dr. Michael Brown wrote an op-ed piece that I'm going to share with you on the other side of this break. It's called The End of Triumphalist Christianity. That Christianity that was so bold and, and, and big churches and huge programs and this, that, and the other thing. And the question we have to ask, not just because of any one incident, like an election or something like that, but have we gotten to the point where maybe that, dare I say, American view of Christianity has finally met its match? I'll share with you what Dr. Michael Brown says about it, and we'll talk about it, a little analysis, balance, and clarity on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Well, Dennis Wilson is with me today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, 800-696-9970, or go to wilson-financial.com. There are a lot of people who have been really taking a bath when it comes to stocks this year. Stock market off 25% in some segments, but yet you have a new program that's really designed to help somebody in that situation earn some of that loss back. It's obviously designed to do exactly that. It's a very limited offer on a 16% guaranteed return on your account in an account that in the next two years can never go down. It is a great vehicle to help people who have lost money because of the way the market is. But there is a time limit, is there not, Dennis Wilson? People have to act now. The 4th of January, you have an additional, I think, 30 or 60 days to get the funds in because some of these IRA accounts take a while to move. But yes, the initial application and declaration that you want to start the account needs to be signed by 1423. Well, this is a golden opportunity. Go to wilson-financial.com, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial. Welcome back to The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Got all revved up here in the first segment to tell, share with you uh, an op-ed piece that I, I really want to read w- to you today. We'll post it at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Michael Brown, who has been a guest on this program many times, is a great author and speaker, host of the nationally syndicated radio program Line of Fire, recently wrote a piece about uh, there's a meme that's been going around the internet that says uh to here's to, if paul came and looked at the american church we would be getting a letter <laughs> that's what it said because all the pauline epistles if you know anything about your biblical history were written to churches that were kind of in disarray and needed some help so here's the precursor to that it's called the end of triumphalist christianity by dr michael brown There's a Christianity that struts and boasts, a Christianity full of riches and swagger, a Christianity full of carnal energy and worldly success. It is a Christianity so full of self that it is virtually devoid of God. That kind of Christianity is headed for a major fall. That Christianity is like the church of Laodicea in New Testament times, which said of itself, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. It was a church that flexed its muscles a church that had arrived, a happening church, if you will. But in Revelation 3.17, Jesus saw things differently. He said, you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. What an extreme contrast in perceptions, Dr. Michael Brown writes. As the Lord said in another context when rebuking the religious leaders of the day, this is from Luke 16.15, quote, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, But God knows your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. Triumphalist Christianity boasts in its numbers, its power, its wealth, its buildings, its outward success. It leans on the arm of flesh. It preaches an ear-tickling, crowd-pleasing message. It gains celebrity status in the eyes of the world. 
This was the way of the so-called, quote-unquote, super apostles who pulled people away from Paul's ministry in Corinth, promising riches and success. They had arrived. They were powerful. They had their act together. Who would not want to follow their lead? Who would not want to be just like them? For those who had been seduced by false apostles, Paul had some very strong words, and we read them in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8-13. through 13. This is from the English Standard Version. Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And would that you did reign, so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Dr. Michael Brown continues, Triumphalist Christianity can only exist when the spiritual climate is favorable, when persecution is minimal or non-existent, and when the gospel can be touted as the fast track to success. But it quickly withers and dies when testing comes, when persecution increases, when following Jesus means loss rather than gain. Let's pause for just a moment here and do a little analysis, balance, and clarity of what Dr. Brown is, is sharing with us. Think about the times that you have been involved in a ministry for whatever reason, and you see the church doing what it's doing. I'll never forget uh, the woman that I spoke with probably about 10 years ago. We just started the Bottom Line show. She had written a book, and uh, we, she was asking about the possibility of doing an interview. And so we were having a conversation about it, and she was discussing how frustrated she was with the body of Christ. And she said, you know, I, I, I thought once I published this book that there would be women's conferences for me to speak at, and people would be buying my Bible studies and everything, and I, I don't think God is blessing this work because no one's buying my, my product. And so I asked her the question. I said, would you consider it a failure if the book didn't sell, or were you doing this as an act of obedience? And she looked at me rather interestingly and she said, you know, I never thought about it that way. How many of us looked at churches that kind of fell apart during the pandemic and asked the question, do they fall apart because of poor management, because of poor stewardship of money, or what was keeping that church together in the first place? I know I could say honestly that having not had a regular church home, a regular pulpit to preach in for the past year, and just kind of church shopping, it's been really challenging to find a body of believers and a church congregation that we say, yeah, this is it. And again, this is not judgmental. This is not me saying, oh, I would do it differently if I were running things here, but rather asking the question, why are some of the churches that we have actually working? Listen to these words again from Dr. Michael Brown when talking about triumphalist Christianity. Triumphalist Christianity can only exist when the spiritual climate is favorable, when persecution is minimal or non-existent, when the gospel can be touted as the fast track to success, but it quickly withers and dies when testing comes, when persecution increases, when following Jesus means loss rather than gain. In the words of Jesus from the parable of the sower, 
The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. That's in Matthew 13, verses 20 and 21. Michael Brown continues, It is wonderful when God gives his people a time of respite, when the fierce opposition dissipates and the church enjoys a time of peace. As described in the book of Acts in chapter 9, verse 31, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. It is wonderful when God blesses his people with financial abundance, lifting off the daily pressures, enabling his children to care for the hurting and needing, and also helping them to spread the gospel around the globe. But, Dr. Brown reminds us, let us never boast about our riches or numbers or buildings. Let us never become complacent or lose our sense of urgency. And let us never forget that the gospel always means the way of the cross. As Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Today, a distorted form of the gospel is spreading rapidly in different nations. However, it is a mixed gospel at best and a false gospel at worst. It is a gospel of success, a gospel of prosperity, a gospel of self-exaltation, and a gospel of empowerment. It is a gospel, Dr. Michael Brown writes, that builds the sinner up rather than calling the sinner to repent. It appeals to the flesh rather than crucifying the flesh. It presents Jesus as one who is the gateway to fulfilling your earthly dreams. It is a gospel without reproach. Those are hard words to listen to, especially in our our culture of plenty. But as Dr. Michael Brown is sharing with us today here on The Bottom Line, triumphalist Christianity may have finally met its match, and we're seeing it in the culture right now. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, some final words and the final words of this uh, article from Dr. Michael Brown are coming your way next as The Bottom Line continues. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to Preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas holiday. Uh, Not to pour, you know, lumps of coal in your stocking or cold water on your celebration. But I commend to you this article by Dr. Michael Brown of the Line of Fire radio program, a frequent contributor to the Bottom Line Show. It was posted by the Christian Post a couple of weeks ago. 
And I felt it would be appropriate as we're in the afterglow of a wonderful Christmas holiday to ask the question, okay, how did your pastor do? How did your church do? How did we as a congregation do in terms of worshiping God? Because when you think about what the Christmas message is to a lot of people, it's, hey, you know what? God wants you to be happy and have fun all the time. And as Dr. Michael Brown writes, that's a gospel of self-exaltation, a gospel of empowerment. It's a gospel that builds the sinner up rather than calling that sinner to repent. It appeals to the flesh rather than crucifying it. It presents Jesus as the gateway to fulfilling your earthly dreams, literally a gospel without reproach. Such a gospel does not save or deliver or transform. It simply adds outward blessings to an unrenewed heart. And in the end, rather than leading to eternal salvation, it leads to disillusionment and death. For now, it may continue to spread and gain adherence, but when the testing increases and the persecution rises, it will quickly fade away. So enjoy the blessings as God sends them to us and be good stewards of his abundance and thrive during times of rest when you can practice your faith freely. He may even bless us with big budgets and beautiful buildings. He may grace us with gorgeous cathedrals, but we may, must always remember that his strength is made perfect in what? In human weakness. And it is by dying that we truly live. To say it once more, beware of the snare of triumphalist Christianity, a Christianity that marches out to conquer by its own might and power. That is not faith, uh, the faith of the New Testament. It's not the faith that will endure. It's not the faith for which Jesus died, and it's not the faith that will change the world. The real New Testament faith cannot be stopped. It cannot be thwarted. It cannot be intimidated. It can't be conquered or destroyed. It is the faith that will shake whole nations. It is the faith that can shake America. It is the faith that we must embrace. Dr. Michael Brown, the article called Triumphalist Christianity. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we have to ask the question, what are we triumphing in? He writes about the end of triumphalist Christianity. When you look at the places where Christianity is growing the fastest, you look at African nations, of course. But then you look at places like Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, Oh my goodness, Russia, Ukraine. And what is the one common thread there? It's political unrest, upheaval, and the mistreatment of people because of their Christian faith. Brothers and sisters, we live in a time right now where Christians are the most persecuted people group in the world. There are Christians who are living in majority Muslim nations who are being persecuted for their faith. My conversation last week, or two weeks ago rather, if you don't have... Uh, the podcast up yet, please go to thebottomlineshow.com, go to myhopenow.com and listen to my dialogue with Miriam Ibrahim, a woman who was born to a Christian mother and a Muslim father in Sudan. After her parents split, uh, Miriam continued in her Christian faith, married a Christian man, and they were raising their child to be a Christian as well. When she was ti someone tipped off the local authorities, she was arrested for apostasy because a true theocracy like Sudan meant that majority Muslim, Sharia court, the whole nine yards. She stood before the judge and was sentenced to be hanged to death for her faith. And when she had the audacity to raise her chin and look eye to eye at the judge behind the bench, he added 100 lashes with a whip to her sentence. Brothers and sisters, we've seen some discrimination against Christians. We have seen some legislation passed recently that could potentially make it more difficult for us to preach the word of God in public. But I don't know that we've reached the point of persecution yet. We've reached the point of inconvenience, annoyance, and discrimination. And the question Dr. Michael Brown poses that I'll reiterate here is, are we willing 
to pay the ultimate price for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Miriam Ibrahim not only stood before a judge and would not renounce her Christian faith, she looked him in the eye as she was sentenced and had more added to her sentence. Of course, God delivered her miraculously, which is why she's on the program a couple weeks ago. We talked about her book. But I want you to pray for people in our our body of Christ who are suffering right now for their faith, who are really experiencing persecution, and ask the question, do we have that kind of strength as well? Do we have that kind of character as well? When the knock on the door comes from you, when you might lose your business or all of the external abundance that you've accumulated, is there any faith left on which to stand? That's the bottom line. 